This is Killstreak. Video junkies, it's Killstreak episode one fifty one. I'm Eric Goslin. Uh, I'm a little bit froggy and hoarse today. I'll I'll explain why. Don't you worry. But uh, joining me here, as always, Mr. Mike Price. How are you, Mike? I'm okay. Happy daytime record. Yeah, we're recording in the middle of the day. I had this full day open. Um, yeah. So after last week's record i think i mentioned that i was like oh excuse me my voice is a little hoarse uh it's because i had covid i still i had covid all week (laughs) it's my second round of covid everybody Everybody. insists that they're all like how many times have you had this i still don't believe you it's only the second time it's the third time my wife's had okay I've only had it twice. I mean, that's the easiest culprit to point to, that your household had COVID and there was a COVID situation, and we just yeah. forgot that you didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife is a teacher, so I mean, she, and she got it last year during the big Omicron spike mm-hmm. um, when a lot of people were getting it, but I managed to not. Then this time around, I think, who knows where I got it. I keep blaming our friend jim hall's <laughs> birthday but i mean truly it could have been anywhere yeah I, was, I haven't been the most careful probably should be but hey you're living in the new world what can you do yeah what can you do what can you do um I so would, anyway i'm feeling fine i was thinking last night i was driving home with with my wife kenda and we passed a 7-eleven that i've only been to once and i remember being in that 7-eleven because i was driving home uh, from recording with you in your basement. So this was uh-huh. early after I moved back to LA this past time. And I wanted to get, I was so, 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 so thirsty and I needed to get some water. So I, I stopped at the Seven Eleven, and then I couldn't find a mask on in my car. Usually there were many masks in my car and I searched all over my car up and down and all around and, and like turned everything inside out and couldn't find a mask. And so I got back in my car and drove home <laughs> instead of getting a bottle of water at 7-Eleven because I couldn't get a yeah. mask to go into the empty 7-Eleven at like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, And I yeah. was like, it's, it feels so very foreign to me, but also it's like, it is the new, is current me the dumb one? I wonder that too. Yeah. Um, because I just haven't been as careful as I used to be. I don't really wear masks much anymore all right well being sick with COVID all week it gave you a surplus of free time and and not having to work right you're in between jobs right now oh am i ever in between <laughs> i need to find that other 
valley or the other peak to get sure i'm gonna be fucking broke soon anyway (laughs) (laughs) i'm really spiraling in my basement this week uh yes i had like a two-day period where i was just isolating in my basement before Mm -hmm. (coughs) my wife started coming down with symptoms and tested positive uh so i watched a shitload of stuff i also read misery Oh. Stephen King's Misery. I want to talk about that I, in a second. Yeah. Oh. I haven't... It had been probably 25 years since I read it, so it's almost like reading it. It's one of the time. first full Stephen King novels I ever read. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when I read it. I know I have, and I've seen the movie, mm-hmm. obviously, but it's been so long since I'd seen either that I forgot how it ended. Um, and I don't remember if the movie ends the same way or not. Uh, no, I don't remember either. I'm going to Google it. But what I wanted to ask you is my recollection of reading the book is that I straight up started skipping the book within a book, like halfway through. Yes, the misery portions. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, was it any more entertaining as an adult? Because when I was like 12 years old, I was like, this is fucking boring as shit. I'm I'm sure that I also skipped parts of that too. Yeah. For the same reasons, it was more entertaining, and it is like a glimpse into his psyche mm-hmm. as he's writing these things. Because like, it's a darker misery than like the one he's known sure. for, and you start to see like symbol like symbolically like Annie's yeah. presence in there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I definitely that was a bummer part of the book when I was younger. But man, that book fucking rules. It's so good. Um. Yeah, I really highly recommend it. It's really scary. It might actually be, in my my opinion, yeah. his scariest book at this point. I certainly remember that the quote unquote hobbling scene in the book was much uh-huh. harder to get through than the movie. Oh yeah, because in the movie she just breaks his legs. Yeah, pretty badly, um, but yes. Yeah. Uh, but in the book she cuts his leg off, his foot off. Yeah. And then also, yeah, it's it's gnarly and it's just like a it's one of those perfect frustrating things where no matter he's so powerless mm-hmm. through the whole thing and that is just so maddening and it really speaks to your own white male privilege of like i could figure my way out of this you're like no you can't yeah you can't, man yeah. you're fucked anyway so for movies i watched um the two latest joe bob's valentine specials and just basically spent like all day watching mm-hmm. four movies <laughs> it was so fun oh, um good. yeah it was just a really so what did i see i saw um phantom of the mall eric's revenge which is very stupid i it's, also watched it oh you did after you told to, me about it um it's it's fun though it's like a nice yeah it was it's it's a time capsule. I'll tell you this, though. It's no chopping mall. It's no chopping mall. Yeah. yeah it's the same mall. It though, is. For... They, I think they even do, like, a press conference type thing in the exact same location as, as chopping. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, so that was... It, that's just, like, a fun relic. Then I watched Necromantic, which I had never fully seen. Mm-hmm. I'd only seen the beginning. And I remember, like, hearing a lot of mm-hmm. about when I was a kid. Not a kid. Teenager. And that movie's fine. It's ugly, like purposely so. Um, the ending is pretty incredible, but it's like very edge lordy kind of stuff. Mm. Like you know, but 
Joe Bob explains it. It was made in this period of time where it was illegal to make movies that glorified violence mm. in Germany. So this was like a bunch of punk rockers who just like decided to be outrageous. Sure. And make this movie about fucking corpses. <laughs> what do you think uh, those people are into these days? Like as far as um, as far as they're like <laughs> political leanings and stuff. <laughs> I, I wonder, to truth, I'm sure they are very against wokeness, but <laughs> they are. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, then I watched Black Roses, which was a recommendation from you, which is also a lot of fun. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, good music in that, uh, and then the final one of that. Was Frankenhooker, which I've seen before, yeah. but I'm like, well, there's no way I'm not going to watch sure. Frankenhooker. Yeah, it's fucking Frankenhooker is a legitimately really great movie. Um, yeah, that like, I'm sort of sometimes I find it a little bit odd that it didn't quite so uh, firmly like make its way into the great cult '80s horror comedies, you know, pantheon. Yeah, like, I don't think it's that far. I mean, it's not as good, but it's like it's not that far off from like, you know, doing a double feature with a with a reanimator or dead alive yeah. or something like that. You know, I mean, it shares a lot in common with Bride of Reanimator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, of course, I watched Diary of the Dead, which we're mm-hmm. about to talk about. Yeah. And uh, then last night I watched Lake Mungo. Oh yeah, which is Never... a movie that was recommended to me. Was that person, um, was it a good recommendation or are they stupid? No, it's a good recommendation. Okay. It's a well-made movie. Um, it's not very scary, I would say. It's more sad than scary. Mm-hmm. And it's, my wife didn't realize it was a fake documentary. Okay. It's a fake documentary. Got it. Um, but I, yeah, it's interesting. It's cool. Yeah. It's sad. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll watch it right away. Um, yeah. I finally got around to watching Crimes of the Future this weekend. Oh, I almost watched that too, but I didn't. I watched Frankenhooker instead. Yeah. How was it? Uh, it was good. It was... Uh, it felt a little spare, maybe. Okay. And I think especially because sort of like the thematic elements are really firmly repeating some things that he's done in past movies. Uh-huh. Uh, like kind of the hook of this world or whatever is almost just like a really like a really straightforward kind of composite of like crash and existence and dead ringers, I would say. Yeah. It's like if you okay. just took all three of those and smashed them together and you're like, okay, it's all it's like it's surgeries, it's body modification, and it's sexualizing, like you know, cutting people open and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's what it is. So, so if you if you know that and you go into it, it's like it is going to be almost exactly what you expect, um, which isn't necessarily bad. It's just, um, you know, you've seen if you've seen all or most of Cronenberg's stuff, I think it's more like it's like a, it's like when a band. Like a real old band writes a new song that sounds just like one of their old songs. Uh huh. So you're like, well, cool. They have a new song, and it's like that sound I'm used to. But also, it's like I almost kind of wish maybe you would write a new song that is also good, but sounds 
newer. <laughs> a little different. A little yeah, different. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for bringing up Cronenberg because I forgot. I also watched um, George Romero's Bruiser, mm. which kind of ties into this episode. Um, because I, And the reason why it reminded me of Cronenberg is that the stiltedness of the performances felt very Cronenbergian, like almost okay. like like Crash, how everybody in Crash is a little bit off. Yeah. That's how Bruiser felt. <laughs> okay. Although Bruiser, man, it's almost good, and then it gets terrible. Oh, no. Like really terrible towards the end. Um, So, yeah, that was a disappointment because I, I had never seen it before. It was hard to find, but it, it is streaming on uh, – Plex mm. for free, which is a free streaming service, <laughs> which, can... which used to be just like a like a like a kind of server setup, and now apparently yeah, you like you set up channel. you set up your own server yeah. with movies of your own on yeah that you can access. Yeah, so that was interesting, but ultimately not good yeah. and crazy performance. Peter Stormare gives an insane. Performance. Seems like he flashes his dick in, uh, in the movie too. Cool. I told you about the time I worked out next to him for four minutes, right? No, no. It was at I was at LA Center Studios. I was working with your yep. with your former employers and perhaps future employers. Um, and uh, I I would sometimes go to the gym at LACS during my lunch break, and. And I was in there on a fairly regular basis, and I went. I went one day to like jump on the treadmill after lunch, and after like five minutes, Storm Air comes in, and he's like wearing I forget what his outfit was, but it was like a full. It was not exercise clothes. He was wearing like long pants, long sleeves, like something far too warm, like something that like if you broke a sweat at all, you would just be like soaking your clothes. <laughs> And he came in and he proceeded to do like four really weird single sets of stuff. Like he did a bench press and a couple other things. And then he just left. And it was very, very strange. Weird. And I wonder if it's something that he maybe just does to like get his adrenaline pumping before he goes maybe, to yeah. shoot a scene. Because it didn't seem like functional exercise, you know? Right. It was weird. Yeah, maybe you're just trying to get pumped up a bit for a scene, yeah. which would make sense given his work in Bruiser. Uh, also, the main character is a British guy who might have the worst American accent Ooh. I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and in certain times, um, he's like barely disguises his oh, British accent. Oh, that reminds me of something that I forgot to mention. This is a big, this is a big uh, home-watching week. I went with uh, Ross to go see uh, Knock at the Cabin on Friday. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the two leads or one of the three leads i think dave bautista is sort of a lead in the movie too um but one of the couple the one who's not jonathan groff uh like it was about halfway through the movie and he repeated the word vehicle i had a suspicion and then he said the word vehicle a couple times and i was like uh-huh. i was like this motherfucker is not american like a hundred percent and then I like snuck my phone under my shirt during the movie to look it up, and I was like, "The only real question is, is he English or Australian?" And he was English, but mm-hmm. he has the—he's a classic case of the the thing 
that just drives me crazy all the time because to me it feels like people just are willing to settle for less because it's just like he was fine he looks like a movie star um he has no like there's no character in his in his voice in his line deliveries because yeah too much of his energy is going towards maintaining an american accent his name is ben aldridge with similar to bruiser there's no reason why he can't be british yeah he can be british and live in america seriously and i'm trying to remember it's fine yeah there's a couple there's a couple uh actors who i've really felt that way about where it's like there was one i mentioned not too long ago but it's like i i always thought he was kind of bad and then i finally saw him do something in his native accent and i was like oh he's good He's just, yeah. you know, if you just allow this person to speak naturally. Um, but, yeah, his name is Ben Aldridge. I guess he was in Fleabag, um, and he's in Pennyworth. Um, oh, the origins of Batman's butler. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sadly canceled. Um, I don't understand. People were <laughs> clamoring for more of I know. Alfred Pennyworth's origin story. <laughs> but anyways, Knock um, at the Cabin was okay. I think it was a okay. slight of a slightly higher quality than old, but it wasn't as fun or silly because it's not as silly of a movie. Um, I haven't seen yeah. any of Shyamalan's latest. Like I haven't seen old or um, I saw the grandparents one. Yeah, I saw Split and Old and Knock either. at the Cabin, but I think that's it for the new one. So I haven't seen. Uh, glass or the grandparents one <laughs> as it's yeah. as it's called it's a fair... little squirrel just walked by my window what the fuck um fuck? all right is there anything else before we pivot no that was it okay that was my covid viewing all right well it's a good week for it because i don't have all that much to tell you guys about diary of the dead um other yeah. other than what you're gonna find on your wikipedia or your imdb um but, uh, you know, uh, I'll do a little table setting at the very least. So this uh, movie was shot in 2007 and released uh, very early in 2008. Technically, it did a festival run in late 2007. So its official release date is 07. Um, but so if you're paying attention, that puts it pretty hot on the heels of Land of the Dead easily the shortest window between two dead movies um yeah these these last three are all pretty yeah close together they come in tight sequence um and this was made for i don't know i think we'd call it a skosh above a shoestring budget it's not quite like i think it still qualifies as a low budget but it's not like it was it was about two million dollars that they made this uh-huh. for. Um, but it's like Land of the Dead was a success. That's, why? Why? I don't I don't really know. Other than I could sort of just point to Romero's sort of reputation slash not just a reputation. He was sort of a maverick type, right? And I think he was inclined to turn away from like bigger opportunities sometimes Uh uh-huh you know i get that impression i don't want to like put words in his mouth but um more creative control yeah 
for less budget. Yeah, like I mean that makes sense. Yeah, I would find it plausible if what? Because who did who did Land of the Dead? Was that Universal? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Land of the Dead was like almost twenty million dollars, um, and it made it, it made its money back. It doubled its 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 budget. So I wouldn't be surprised if Universal was like, "Hey, we'll give you another twenty million if you want to do the next one," uh-huh. and then maybe if he got any pushback on what his potential pitch was, uh, he would have just walked away and made it for two million. I don't know. That seems plausible to me, right? Um, so you know, all he really said about you know, that could maybe point to how this got made the way it did is he, he, I think he was a little found something romantic about the idea of returning to his roots of Mm. doing something like, it's not a coincidence that the main characters of this film are, are, you know, Pittsburgh film students. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I think he did honestly maybe want something smaller scale, um, which is his prerogative. Certainly. Um, so they made this with an independent producer, uh, a guy by the name of Peter Grunwald. Um, where do I know the name Grunwald from? Yeah. I was just going to say that name does sound familiar. Let me look it up. I mean, he's just, he's just, uh, he's worked with Romero a couple of times. He was, a he was the EP of monkey shines and then, Oh, okay. And Eric and bruiser. Bruiser. Oh, bruiser. That's what it was. That's where you saw his name. Yeah. He saw they made a company together, I believe. Yes. Uh, I forget the name. Something with fire in it. Uh, Ant Art Fire. No. Romero Grunwald Productions. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Art Fire is the other producer, which is why I was used to seeing it together. Um, but yeah, he so he produced the last three movies last week's and then this week's and the one we'll cover next week as we close up shop on Romero's Dead franchise. Um, the, the movie was shot once again in Toronto, which I'm going to raise a flag on the play for this. Um, mm-hmm. if he wants to return to his roots and go back to Pittsburgh yeah, and do like a Pittsburgh film students thing, why did he shoot this in Toronto? Yeah. Cheaper, I guess, but I'm sure, but it's also like. It's so fucking cheap. The budget of this is two million dollars. The budget of this yeah. is almost a tenth of what he just made Land of the Dead for two years earlier. So he couldn't have spent three million dollars to shoot this. Well, he wanted in- access to all those talented Canadian actors. <laughs> oh, I, I ideas, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about them, Eric. Who? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, these just these these household names. These I mean, the only one I know is um, is Tatiana Maslany. Yeah, who dies fifteen who minutes dies. into the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because I, I saw her name, I was like, oh, I don't remember her being in this. And then yeah. I was like, oh, that's why I don't remember her being in this. Remind me that I have something to say about Tatiana Maslany in this movie when we get to. Okay. The blood and guts check. Um, but yeah, okay, the rest of your cast, Michelle Morgan, Josh Close, Sean Roberts, Amy Lalonde, Joe Dinicall, Scott Wentworth, Philip Riccio, and Chris Violette. That's your yeah. cast. That's your 
that's that's everyone from starring down to to ninth build and yeah. and god god bless america i've never heard of a single one of these fucking people in my life no no i mean tv tv but canadian not even tv, TV canadian tv yeah it's not tv it's yeah. canadian tv <laughs> <laughs> yeah your lead michelle morgan uh was on an episode of stargate atlantis uh, yeah. and starred in the cbc series heartland uh, uh. which was you know, uh, is is apparently been on CBC for twenty fucking years almost. But oh, I guess Josh Close, Joshua uh-huh. Close, was in episodes of Fargo and The Exorcism of Emily Rose. So yeah, he plays a Russian in K nineteen, The Widowmaker. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, who yeah. else? Sean Roberts, our kind of jock bro type uh he, he was on Degrassi the next generation now he's also credited in survival of the dead I don't remember him in that but I also there was a you know 13 year difference between when I saw land of the or Don, uh whatever this one is diary, diary and no. I watched survival last year for the first time so I don't know maybe okay. maybe his character does appear maybe it's a flashback sure. I don't know I don't remember um <clears throat> oh, you know what though? He, he Sean Roberts, he was in the 2004 Canadian supernatural drama TV film Ghost Cat. Oh, there you go. Yeah, starring a young <laughs> Elliot Page. Um Amy Lalonde, she's from Ontario. They're all from fucking Ontario. Yeah. She was in an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Huh. Joe Dinicol was uh, had a, a somewhat recurring role on the fifth season of Arrow. Um, okay. There's there does seem to be a little creep into the DC television universe. They must shoot all that shit in. They must Canada, shoot that in Canada. Right? Yeah, I bet. Uh, Scott Wentworth. Um. He's in the Ice huh. Storm. I like that movie. Yeah. Um, that's about it. What about the professor? Yeah, the, is he anybody? The, who is the? Who's he? What is his character's name? I don't remember. Um, is it uh, is it Ridley Wilmot? Maybe Philip. No, Riccio? Ridley's the Ridley's the mummy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not him. Okay, Jason is the obviously the filmmaker. Tony is the jock. Who's Elliot Stone? He's young. He's young. Uh, oh well, we'll never know. Man, he's Samuel. Is that his name? R. D. Reed. <laughs> name check. Okay, age checks out. He was born in forty four. Okay. Uh, he was apparently in Dawn of the Dead. Um, what the the Zack Snyder one? He, oh, he plays someone okay. named Glenn. He's also okay. in a History of Violence, a a very underrated David Cronenberg film. I like that kind of, yeah. I like that movie. So this guy seems like he he acted a little bit. Oh, he plays a Calgary cop in one of my favorite sports rom-coms, The Cutting Edge. Ooh. I was going to say, History of Violence and um, the follow-up, uh, Eastern Promises, mm-hmm. both great or very good uh, Cronenberg movies mm-hmm. that aren't repetitive with his previous Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. Really, very much a different direction. Yeah. 
it's but you know it's also it's we think of them as being very modern but then it's like well i guess those came out 15 years ago yeah you know yeah. so um but either way i just to be clear i'm i'm not panning uh, crimes of the future by any means oh sure it's yeah. worth not checking out especially if you like cronenberg just don't expect him to reinvent the wheel um have we missed our chance with infinity pool uh, it's coming out on rental in a couple weeks on on demand oh wow well you got covid which didn't help and i no, and i no, don't no. have any free time anymore it's at the draft house downtown which god i you might take a gun to the head to go there yeah that parking sucks i like the theater but the parking yeah. sucks. oh one of the it's at the burbank's eight in the mall okay one showing a day 10 10 p.m okay well, if you want to hit it up, I might be know. able to do that this week. Let's uh, okay. let's follow up on that. I would like to see it in a theater. Me too. Um, Boyd. Squirrel's back. So so uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's like recording during the day. I get to see squirrels. Yeah, Boyd Banks shows up for a third consecutive movie on the podcast. Oh. He plays an armorist part of that like little society of uh, of survivors that they. Uh, I guess extort guns out of by threatening to not leave. Um, yeah, it's a pretty compelling scene. Um, well, I think now it's worthy of a um, of an IMDb trivia entry. What's that? The, didn't you want to make a, a an entry being like he's the only one who appears? I in never three consecutive. I've never wanted to make an IMDb entry in my life. Uh, you said it last. I year. said it. Le- last year, I said last it week. could be. A piece of IMDb yeah. trivia. Please yeah, don't yeah. portray me as someone who wants to write IMDb trivia. That's not fair. Six out of 12 found this interesting. I will say Boyd Banks does not currently appear in the trivia for Diary of the Dead. Um, so, who knows? Uh, you know who else has some uh, small roles? There's some voice actors here. No such thing as small roles. <laughs> <laughs> Tarantino, Wes Craven, Guillermo del Toro, Simon Pegg, and Stephen King. Oh, wow. All lend their voices as newsreaders. That's fun. I didn't pick that up. I saw the special thanks at the end. Yeah. But I didn't pick up that it was... Uh... Yeah. And last but not least, Greg Nicotero shows up for the umpteenth time as a zombie surgeon. Um Okay. Yeah, uh, so this is a fun uh, Romero uh, talking about the filming of this movie. Apparently not easier in his estimation to do found footage. Mm. Um, Claimed that there was much more choreographing required of the actors um, for reasons I don't totally understand, but I believe him. Um, a lot of CG. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's in his description of the movie. They talked about, oh yeah, we, we, and it's, it's very much that like that old, old guy embrace of digital as opposed to the pushback where he's like the freaking, where he literally (laughs) says like, we got to use a lot of computer generated imagery to shoot the film quickly. Uh, and it's like, did you, did you get to do that? That's great. Um, yeah, so a couple things, um, maybe in the context of this film. So we were talking about 
This is found footage, which we haven't done a lot of these, right? We've got Blair Witch. Two of the did. Blair Witch movies. Technically, the second one is also found footage. I guess we'll say the three Blair Witch movies. Um, and then was there another one besides this? I know we've done a like Mount Rush Gore of yeah, found footage. We did. Yeah, I bet that was for Blair Witch. I think so. Well, this is a found footage film. <laughs> they should make a found footage leprechaun movie. <laughs> I would watch it. I would. Yeah, I would too. Um, I have to for yeah. the podcast. <laughs> You're right. You have no choice. Um, so what I was going to say is I was sort of looking at the historical context of found footage with regards to where this movie came out. Right. And... Um, You've basically got, you know, the OG stuff, which we talked about when we covered Blair Witch. So your cannibal Holocaust is sort of like the big one that people talk about. Uh Um, But then, yeah, there was the big late 90s pop with the Blair Witch Project. Although, you know, I think we talked about this when we covered Blair Witch. It didn't really launch the found footage craze. Like it was kind of an outlier. And it really wasn't until this time that the found footage boom began in earnest. Um, and I would say that based on the timing of when all these movies came out, um, this one is at least you could maybe say there's sort of a tie between three movies that all were released within a few months of each other, but all produced independently before any of the others were released. And that is, uh this film diary of the dead the spanish film wreck which you've mentioned multiple times on the podcast uh-huh and then cloverfield which we just realized or i at least i just realized was matt reeves which i had forgotten for a very long time um yeah. and eric and i were both thrown by by coming to learn that matt reeves is in his mid 50s we yeah we thought 56 yeah we thought he was a younger man um he has a youthful style. Energy. Yeah. yeah. Energy. Um, so, yeah, those those three all were shot in 2007. And then the other big one uh, would be Paranormal Activity. Uh, yeah. Also shot in 2007 and released. <clears throat> but the thing about Paranormal Activity is I think it didn't get a wide release for, like, another couple of years. Uh, it did Festival is Circuit. Is that true? Yeah, it did the Festival Circuit in 07, but it didn't come out. Uh, theatrically until 2009. Is that true? I feel like I saw it. Oh, okay. You're wrong. I saw it in theaters yeah. uh, at the Arclight. Yeah. Cinerama Dome, maybe even. Well, uh, maybe, I mean, that's, it's very possible that you did and it just wasn't in 2007. Huh. I don't know. I don't believe that. Okay. Maybe you saw <laughs> it at a, fel- a festival screening. I don't know. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't a festival. Okay. Well, it uh, <laughs> definitely had its U.S. release in 2009. So I don't, I don't buy that. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. So this movie is part of the bleeding edge of the, uh, of the modern found footage boom. And in the years after Lake Mungo, which you just mentioned, came the next year. Mm-hmm. Quarantine. That's a remake of Wreck, right? Yes. Um, District 9. Never saw it. Rec 2. Of course, Harmony Corinne's classic Trash Humpers. Oh, great. Who, yeah, definitely. Who could forget? Has to be lumped in yeah. there. And then, and then it just goes forever and ever. Last Exorcism, Paranormal Activity 2. Ooh, 
Paranormal Activity 2, Tokyo Night. Never heard of that. Hmm. That's, Never heard of that one. I either. wonder if it's a ripoff. Um, man, if if and when we do Paranormal Activity, we got to buckle up, man. we got so many fucking movies. Geez, you know what we should do? We should just combine Paranormal Activity and the Conjuring universe and just be like, okay, <laughs> for the next year of the podcast, we're just yeah. covering these two franchises. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, so the movie did not. This is uh, – it did not – receive a theatrical release um and as such it didn't make a ton of money although it did once again double its budget it made 5.3 million dollars um but yeah uh it it was released straight to dvd by the Hmm. weinstein company yeah, I saw it in theaters i saw it at the burbank a really tiny theater in in the middle burbank theater okay yeah. Well, but, I mean, but I think it's probably just a New York and LA thing would be see. my guess. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, I got an article here. What kind of release did it get? Yeah, I should I should I should take that back. It didn't receive no theatrical release. It did not receive a wide theatrical release as they yeah. refer to it. Yeah, and then I know survival was just on demand. Yeah. Wasn't. Um yeah, it's funny too. I you know, I I, I don't know. I don't want to say I enjoy it. But whenever I see the Weinstein Company logo, it's kind of it's I'm always like, well, this is the one that we can just outright hate because yeah. <laughs> because the Weinstein Company was not formed until everyone was pretty well aware of who Harvey Weinstein was. Yeah. Miramax is a little different because, you know, as moviegoers, we enjoyed many True, oh, truly yeah. great Miramax and Dimension films before I think certainly before I had any clue that uh, oh absolutely that the company was no idea. was being run by uh, a, a a sort of uh, depraved sex monster. Uh, Miramax was like the coolest. Yeah, if you saw Miramax before a trailer when you're going to the movies, you're like, oh fuck, I gotta pay attention mm-hmm. to this. This gonna be good. Yeah, not so much with the Weinstein Company. No. Um, Cool. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Uh, the one thing I'll throw out there, the reception for this film, the reviews, were okay. Um, 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic 66 out of 100. So not glowing, but uh, that does hover above sort of being panned. It was not panned. And in mm. fact, some outlets... Uh, gave this pretty strong reviews. I want to say Variety, LA Weekly, Rolling Stone, and the Boston Globe, good old Ty Burr, all gave it like a B plus, A minus range. And then, you know, they go down from there. And uh, the the sort of uh, bottom of... It's interesting because like Variety gives it like an A, like a B plus, and then Hollywood Reporter gives it essentially an F. Um, so some mixed reviews, but there were some positive ones. What did, Interesting. what did Eric think? Well, let's, uh, take a quick break and then we'll find out. Okay. Hi, my name is Jason Creed. I have been given the opportunity to be able to document the events that have suddenly landed in my lap. Jason always wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. Come on, everybody, when it comes to you, say your name. This is ridiculous. Hey, I'm just trying to make a movie here. That's what he was shooting on that first night. The night when 
everything changed. None of us know exactly what has caused the chaos. Most people have fled for their lives. Some sort of Armageddon. Two news agencies are reporting accounts of the dead returning to life. Holy! Jay, I want to get out of here. I want to go home. Are you still shooting? What are you shooting? I don't know. I just... If this turns out to be a big thing, I just want to record it, okay? Yeah, there's an army of them. From now on, everyone who dies is going to come back. I think it's time we left this place. There's nobody in here. I don't see anything. There is a dead guy walking around. Let's go. Shoot in the head. Hey, run. Run, Tracy. All that's left is to record what's happening for whoever remains when it's over. George A. Romero's Diary of the Dead. If it's not on camera, it's like it never happened, right? Film footage from a news crew shows a story about an immigrant man killing his wife and son before committing suicide. The son and wife turn into zombies and kill several medical personnel and police officers, but leave one medic and a reporter bitten before being killed. The narrator, Deborah, explains that most of the footage, which was recorded by the cameraman, was never broadcast. A group of young film students, film study students uh, from the University of Pittsburgh are in the woods making a horror film along with their faculty advisor, Andrew Maxwell. Oh, that's who it was. Mm-hmm. When they hear news of an apparent mass rioting and mass murder, two of the students, Ridley and Francine, decide to leave the group, while the project the project director, Jason, goes to pick up his girlfriend, Deborah, the narrator, from the university. When she cannot contact her family, they travel to Deborah's parents' house in Scranton, Pennsylvania. En route, the group consisting of Jason, Deborah, Professor Maxwell, Elliot, cameraman Tony, Mary, and couple Gordo and Tracy run over <laughs> run over a reanimated Pennsylvania state trooper and three other zombies. The group stops and Mary attempts to kill herself. Her friends take her to the hospital where they find the dead becoming zombies and thereafter fight to survive while traveling to Deborah's parents. Just a, a slight amount of insight for people who didn't watch this. Mary attempts to kill herself because... She feels guilty as if she maybe killed three people by running them over. Yeah, she's very religious. They were zombies. Yeah, she she clutches a cross a bunch of the time in case you're wondering what's going through her head. Uh Uh-huh. Mary becomes a zombie and is slain by Maxwell, and the group dispatched several reanimated patients and staff, including Deborah killing one with a defibrillator. Whilst escaping, Gordo is bitten by a zombie and soon afterwards dies from it. His girlfriend Tracy begs the others not to shoot him immediately, but later is forced to shoot him herself when he reanimates. Soon they are stranded when their RV fuel line breaks. They are attacked by zombies but are rescued by a deaf Amish man named Samuel, who blows them up with dynamite. Tracy then repairs the broken fuel line with the aid of Samuel, 
but before escaping, he is bitten and kills himself with, and his attacker with a scythe. Passing a city, they are stopped by an armed group of survivors, the leader becoming a member of the National Guard. No, being a member, no, he doesn't become a member. They are taken to their compound where Jason uploads his footage and Tony kills a zombified guard with acid. Whilst there, Deborah receives a message from her younger brother who informs her that he and their parents were camping in West Virginia at the time of the initial attacks and are now on their way home. The students then leave Deborah's house. Their only reliable source of information is now the internet, aided by bloggers. When they arrive at Deborah's house, they find her reanimated mother and brother feeding on her father, and Maxwell kills them with a bow and arrow. They escape from the house and are stopped by different National Guardsmen, who rob them, leaving them only their weapons and their two cameras. They arrive at Ridley's mansion, where Ridley explains that his parents, the staff, and Francine were killed, and he buried them out back. Ridley shows Deborah and Tony that he buried his parents, the staff, and Francine by dumping their bodies into the family's swimming pool. Ridley then abandons Deborah and Tony and is revealed to have been bitten by a zombie himself, explaining his odd behavior. Ridley soon dies and reanimates, then kills and infects Elliot and attacks Tracy and Jason. Jason is able to distract Ridley long enough for Tracy to escape at the last minute. Mad at Jason for not leaving the camera to help her, Tracy leaves the group in the group's RV. The remaining survivors hide in an enclosed shelter within the house, with the exception of Jason, who left the group to continue filming and is subsequently attacked and infected by Ridley. Maxwell kills Ridley with an antique sword and Deborah euthanizes Jason while continuing to film. Later, a large number of zombies begin to attack the mansion, including a reanimated Elliot. This forces Deborah, Tony, and Maxwell, Professor Maxwell, if, you know, he did make tenure, so I have to be respectful, <laughs> to take shelter in the mansion's panic room. Deborah watches Jason's recording of a hunting party shooting people who are left to die and be reanimated as shooting targets and wonders if the human race is worth saving at all. Mm. There you have it. Very He's pretty overt, bare bones. Very overtly wonders that. Yeah. Um. Okay. <clears throat> Diary of the Dead, Mike. This was your first time watching it, right? It was. Although, you know, there were like moments when I was like, have I seen this before? And I think it's maybe something that I like caught a bit of at some point. Uh-huh. Like I definitely didn't sit down and watch it, but, but there, or maybe I just really intimately remember the trailer, but there were definitely parts of it where I was like, yeah, I knew something like this would happen in this, but, but certainly it was, it was more or less like watching it for the first time. So let, we'll go with that. We'll say that I had not seen it before. This is my second time seeing it. The first time, mm -hmm. like I said, I saw it in the movie theaters, I think either with Adam Dio or Ryan Martin. I can't remember. In Maybe theaters. both. Yeah. Um, and I remember being very disappointed mm -hmm. and did not like it at all. Mm. Thought it was heavy handed. And yeah. in general, just uh, shoddily executed. Sure. Um, that was my initial impression. Going back to it, 
Actually, you know what? Let's talk about yours and then we can. You, you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Um, <clears throat> man. Okay. Uh, you know. Gosh. I, <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard for me to verbalize this. Uh, overall. This was a, this is not, this is not a pleasant experience for me viewing this movie. Uh, what are you looking at? <laughs> oh, there's a, the light reflecting off my phone. Can you see it? <laughs> yeah, I do. But for a while it was just you staring at the yeah, ceiling. I was, I was listening. I just, yeah. Forgot no, I believe you. Me. It was just, it was very weird. Um, no, that's okay. I think I needed a reset because I really was having trouble getting getting words out of my face um i did not like this i did not did not care for this movie um there were a handful of things that i thought were interesting um and i will say that towards the end the final sort of sequence at the at is it ridley yeah ridley's house i thought was actually more interesting than most of the movie um which is funny because it's like contained to just this house. house, whereas they're technically moving around for the first half of them for two thirds of the movie. But I mean, I think the biggest things are, I mean, yes, this is like too on the nose. It's too unsubtle. It does very much feel like just a much older guy trying to do something modern. Yeah. Um, but the bigger issues are, the acting is bad. There's a just a complete lack of charisma or differentiation mm-hmm. with any of these characters. Like, yeah. they're not interesting characters, even if you had good actors. Um, it's bad dialogue. Talking about the Tatiana Mislani thing, like, she has proven herself to be a very good actress, and she's very bad in this. Yeah. Uh, and, yes, yeah, she's much, much younger, but I, I think you have to assign some blame to the script and the directing. When you see something like that, someone who's a known quantity as being very talented, who just is incredibly flat in one note. Um, and I would say that, but the biggest thing for me, and this goes to like production design, budget locations and cinematography is I thought this movie looked like fucking shit and I yeah. hated it. Like I hated looking at it for the entire duration of the film. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Revisiting this movie I hated it. I really mm. don't like mm. this movie at all. Man, it is the acting is so so bad. Yeah. The characters are not defined. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you who the fuck Gordo is or what his deal is. I still you know, don't I, know. Yeah. They, like any of them except for Jason um and Deborah are the only one well, Mary, I guess, are the only that like have any sort of thing going, any character game going on. Yeah. But even then Deborah is just mad at Jason because he's too committed of a cameraman, I guess. That's like the whole ten- central thesis of this movie is like, yeah, we're all addicted to these cameras. It's like, yeah. no, we're not. We're right. not. And they don't develop his character in any way, shape or form Yeah, to, to be like, oh, yeah, you maybe see how he goes from being a very avid filmmaker to someone who like can't differentiate where the line is. It's just like. It's just like a, a switch flips, and then it's like, now this is his deal. It, 
so like what what is the point of this movie that like we all shouldn't have cameras in our pockets and we all shouldn't be reporting on things is it that the mainstream's lying to I don't know I don't know why he's like cuz it is pointing to something where it's like is yeah. the human race even worth saving um but I, I don't know what the critique is well I think it it smacks very much of that thing of like and this isn't exclusively you know the land like like something that is done by older folks but but it is that sort of thing where it's like hey I've noticed all this stuff happening so uh-huh. let's uh let's shine a light on it yeah. but I don't have a thesis yeah I yeah. don't actually it hasn't been around long enough for me or for anyone else to really determine what this means yeah. for society in the long run um and maybe it's worse because we're watching it from, you know, 15 years later. So it is a thing where it's like, well, well now we kind of have more of a perspective on what all of this means. Uh, even then, it felt dated. Yeah. I would say, like, all the times they say, the web. We downloaded yeah. this off the web. Right. Or the net. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck, man. This is such Stephen King, old man, writing about technology writing. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like when Stephen King's like, he pulled out his iPod Touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just like, that shit drives me crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like, we downloaded this video off the net. It was all over the news, all over the web. It really feels like a pale imitation of Romero. And that's really sad. It's yeah. sad that this man has made this legacy. He's now about, he's in the middle of a second trilogy of a, of a genre he created. Mm-hmm. And this feels like a direct video knockoff that some other fucking schmuck put together. Yeah. It feels like a movie made by these kinds of people. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. 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 That's the thing is like, I guess he succeeded if he was like, yeah, I wanted to feel like a, but it's like, it feels like a student film in all the worst ways. Like yeah. it's undercooked. It's just not shot particularly well. No. I mean, what is what better signifier for for bad student film is there than just like faceless acting, bad acting? Everybody's you know? just yelling constantly too. It's a yell, yeah. It's a big another yelling movie mm-hmm. where everybody's just like fighting for no reason. Um, the scene that has driven me crazy since I saw it uh-huh. is the one where he's charging the battery and he won't go save people help save yeah. people because he's he can't, he's can't leave his camera behind he right. even says out loud it's like i could probably save them but uh then i wouldn't have a, a battery or whatever i wrote it down it's um uh. yeah he does that he does something similar with what the texan <laughs> Yeah, when she's leaving at the end, right? He just like films her getting attacked by a zombie. Yeah, and she, oh, she's yeah. yelling at him to do something, and he he's, he's like, oh, "I'm you're... distracting it." I should be with them. Maybe I could help. I can't. I'm fucking plugged in. <sighs> <laughs> the death of death, a film by Jason yeah. Creed. I think the death of death was the original name for this, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I mean. Uh... Who knows? It doesn't it doesn't change much for me, I guess, one way or the other. No. Um, some thoughts on just like performances. So I said what I said about Tatiana Mussolini. That's like a big one. But then, okay, so now that we've determined who so the professor was Andrew Maxwell. So that's Scott Wentworth. That's the guy who was in the ice storm. 
Um, oh, okay. And so just like to give some examples of, of what we're trying to do with this limited cast, he is playing what, like an English man. Is he English? Is he Irish? I don't remember. He's certainly from the UK. He's English. He has a big old accent. So this guy's an American who immigrated to Canada. Very much not English. What? Yeah. Amy Lalonde is the blonde who plays the Texas girl. Yeah. Don't mess with Texas. She was born in Ontario and raised in Ontario. Never lived in Texas at any point in time, (laughs) as far as I can tell. But it's just like, this is sort of indicative of the decisions. And I will say... That it's of a trend that is just continuing through these last three movies, which is he doesn't give a shit about committing good performances to film. No, it, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's really frustrating. <clears throat> um, they're old ass college students, too. Like they are <laughs> so yeah. old. They don't look like they're in the college mm-hmm. in college at all. Um, the acting. Oh, yeah. OK, so the. I'm sorry, I'm scatterbrained here. That's okay. But he does do a little bit of commentary on zombie movies at the at the beginning when he, they're filming the mm-hmm. Mummy movie. Who fucking cares about mummies these days? Yeah. Jesus, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that is such an old man thing. Uh-huh. He's like, how many times have I to- told you dead things don't move fast? So that was kind of funny. Like, okay, haha. He's commenting on the fast zombie trend. Sure. But then he doesn't. Uh, this is such a disappointment. Yeah, the commenting is all, it's that. It's like, look at how I'm commenting on this thing. None yeah. of it seems to have, it's all formless. It's why, like, why is Deb so mad at Jason? She's like, I don't want to become like you. Well, I mean, You're he does demonstrate student. himself to be like completely craven in his like, all he cares <coughs> about is, is filming. Yeah, but even before that, yeah, they're like right. already, yeah. she's like, I don't know, maybe just too, too committed to yeah. his craft. <laughs> You're right. You're right. The and real the problem going. is cameramen. <laughs> um, yeah, just some other things that it's like, that really just make this feel like a movie made by such a lesser filmmaker. Yeah. How about the deaf Amish man? Samuel. Samuel. I mean, I, I did laugh when the zombies explode and it pans over and he's holding up the sign and waving or whatever. That's, but that is just so, that is such faint praise for, it's just so, it's it a just sequence, felt like a bad joke. It's like, like a, a sequence that feels like it belongs in like one of the scary movie films. Or like a broken lizard movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like sort of lazy parody. Yeah is what it feels like. But apparently this is an earnest movie. Um, Another thing that I just think was undercooked, that it's like, it's not a decision that couldn't work, but he certainly didn't do enough to make it work. And that's whatever sort of like gymnastics are are taking place to make this a timeline reset. Mm -hmm. Because he said in an interview that this is supposed to be happening concurrent to the events of the first movie. Oh, okay. So this is happening while Night of the Living Dead is happening. Okay. And it's you like, that? what? What? How does that make any fucking sense at all? It doesn't. That's so stupid. Because the thing is, is it's like, this is a movie that is so preoccupied with like early YouTube yeah. and filming with phone cameras. And it's like, 
I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt with like anachronisms. If you're just like, yeah, I, I know we made the first one literally 40 years earlier, but you know, it's like, it's just looking at other human stories, but it's not, this is all about the technology. It's specifically of about technology. Yeah. And so, okay, then just say you're resetting your timeline. Yeah. Or don't do this movie. I don't know, but I, I was thinking before recording, like it would be interesting if he just made another movie that took place in the sixties. It's just yeah. like Stephen King is the best when he's still writing about the fifties. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. It's because like that's the language he knows. It's the slang. It's just like he's good at that. Right. So like anytime he tries to update himself, it feels <laughs> a little weird. This is my, you've heard me talk about this before, right? That this is my pitch for James Bond. Oh, no. Is just that, like, everyone is right. Like, James Bond as a character, like, is a dinosaur. But it doesn't mean it's not fun. It's a very fun world, but it's like, it doesn't make any fucking sense for 2023. So just do, like, an X-Men first class thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make the next James Bond series, period, and set it in, like, 1965. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I like that. Problem solved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, excuse me. I sound like I was going to vomit. <laughs> Do you remember the Homeland Security color scale? Oh, of, like yeah. the terrorist threat, threat level orange or yeah, 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 yeah. That was, uh, I had forgotten about that. Or just hadn't yeah, thought about it in a long time. Yeah. So what is this movie? This is like, it wants to be very like post 9-11. It wants yeah. to be like. Is YouTube around in 2007? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it's just like the very... I mean, somebody says, I found her on a message board on YouTube. <laughs> That's not a thing. When, yeah, I know. There's comment threads. But... When did YouTube launch? Um, There's MySpace in the 2005. Story. Okay. Um, The hospital, I don't buy it being deserted yep. immediately. Like that makes no sense how where all the people go yeah it would either be full of zombies yeah or chaotic and full of people but it wouldn't just be empty with two zombies in it right and i'll tell you eric i think i know why it's Budget? empty yeah because yeah. they didn't spend any fucking money on this movie either yeah and that looks yeah, bad it does and God. and so okay so here's another thing i think and again, this is something that I understand him not getting this, but just such a huge misstep. It's it's actually it's discussed in the beginning of the movie when when Deborah is like breaking down how it was shot on these two cameras and I edited it together. Yeah. And all this. And it's like, that's dumb. It's like either make it found footage or don't. But yeah. the way that he tried to kind of have it both ways, where they shot this you know, with a professional cinematographer with like they're digital, but they're like pro digi cameras. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, they're the worst kind of cameras because they're the ones that like are trying to do film, but they do it badly. Cause this is very much the beginnings still yeah. of like the digital era. You don't even have that fun mini DV texture. Right. That would exactly. Have... You will look at like 28 days later and you're like, it's so digital that yeah. it like feels like it's part of the, but this is like, they're trying, he's like trying to have it both ways to like shoot a real movie, but shoot it like it's sound footage with digital cameras. 
and the end result is it just looks like trash. Yeah. Um, these cameras, these are Panasonic, uh, like DVC Pro cams. Um, so I think we actually used one of these, uh, or something similar to this. Adam Dio. Yeah. Uh, shot, or I should say, reshot one of my film projects when we were in undergrad, um, because our original DP had lost 75% of the footage we shot on six color 16 millimeter. Oh, I remember this happening. Yeah. yeah. So, so Adam worked at whatever they call it. Was it the FEC? The FEC. The, I did yeah, too. Yeah. The equipment center. And so they had just gotten like a 24 P mm-hmm. 1080 digital camera. And it had only been there for like three weeks or whatever. And we could not afford to shoot again on film. So it was either have no film or shoot with digital. And we were able to get access to this camera strictly because of Adam, uh, partly, you know, with the understanding that he would shoot it. So we did. And it looked interesting, but it didn't look like film. No. Um, It looked more like film than just like a mini DV camera. But like these things just aren't like this is a transitional period in the development of cameras and it's not one that anyone really wants to hold on to. Um, and the thing is, is some of it's not the camera's fault. The lighting is really terrible. Um, it's just a cheap movie mm-hmm. and it's like his old cheap movies had a lot of character. They yeah. felt rebellious they felt, and, I, and I'm sorry to say, but they felt youthful, right? You know, yeah. especially the first one. And yeah, this just feels so much like, like an old, I mean, I hate saying it, it makes me feel shitty and ageist, but it's like an old guy trying to keep up Yeah. instead of just doing what he's good at. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, it's a bummer. The performances are the thing that really in the characters and the writing yeah. is really the biggest of all the bummers sinks, for me. Sinks the whole movie. It's, it's just like, there's not a single interesting person. Yeah. Maybe the professor is the closest you get. Yeah. And even then he's kind of annoying. And it's and like such where... a weird cliche character. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Like what made, what makes the characters in night of the living dead more interesting then Diary of the Dead, I guess that they're clear they're clearly defined and they each serve a purpose. Yeah, they're clearly defined. They're not just archetypes. Yeah. You know, like who's I mean, you think about somebody like Ben and it's like there isn't you don't read Ben off the page and go, "Oh yeah, this guy." It's like no, it's like a sort of standoffish, you know, black man but in a story that's not particularly centered on race and he's very headstrong and seems like he's right but he's right some of the time and wrong some of the time yeah and he's sort of ornery but he's not like a crazy aggressive person and he's your good guy but also he slaps around the female lead and and it's just like it's just they wrote a character as opposed to like plugging in like he's the older professor who's seen a lot and drinks a lot. It's like, yeah, yep. that's like fucking she's from Texas. Yeah. He's the jock. He's the film guy. Yeah. It's, they're so, so skeletal. It's cause he's out of touch with people that age. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody else should have, 
I don't even know. I, I, this is just like, don't even, this shouldn't have been made. Yeah. Truthfully. It's a miss. It's a misfire. Uh, just as an idea. And, but the thing is, it's like, I really don't get some of these. So, so let me just do this once or twice, just cause I, I really did find it strange. Um, that, that some of these reviews were so effusive and from like pretty yeah. legitimate critics and, and outlets, um, okay, so I'm going to bring up one of these, like, A minus B plus reviews that I read. Um, okay, so this one is from Rolling Stone, right? It's Peter Travers, uh, who gave it, they call it an 88, right? It's, oh shit, it's gone. I was reading it before. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, hold on, I had another one. Uh, where did I open it? Um, oh yeah, LA Weekly. This one's gone too, I think. Okay, let's go Boston Globe, right? This is, they're all fucking, how did I read these before? They're all like missing. Now. Like paywalled now? No, the, just the links are dead, but I think I was vamp for a second. Just yeah. give me, buy me. Um, oh, vamping, vamping. Ho, ho, ho. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> I'm here. I'm sending you a link to it. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying not like I'm trying to think of a, of a nice thing to say. Mm. The opening sequence with the news anchors that was fine. I like that. I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be better than I remember. And then, uh, then right after that, I was like, no, mm-hmm. it was, it was yeah. not. I just sent you a link to the Peter Travers. Thank you. Review. I appreciate it. Okay, here we go. And there's no text loading for me. That's interesting. Do you want to read uh, it? <laughs> Sure. Let me see if it'll load for me. What yeah. a disaster. Almost as big of a disaster as this movie. Um, where did it go? Oh god damn it. Got this is great. This is great. This is So Peter Travers gives it three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half stars. Oh, it's not loading for me either. Okay. I'm gonna try one more thing. I'm gonna try it in Safari. Okay. Um but like I'm not hallucinating. I read some of these earlier and I was boggling. Okay, it clearly that link just doesn't really work. Um, your vamping was going great though. Thank you. Yeah, that's I pride myself on my vamping. Um, you always nail it. I do. Um, here's one from the Guardian. Oh yeah, Ebert. Ebert gave it a decent review. Ebert gave I think it, it was somebody else's. St- Jim Emerson for Ebert. Uh, yeah, three out of four stars. Okay. Bowie, be quiet. Um, so, you know, he describes, he sets a little context, talks about Cloverfield, shaky cam, all this stuff, um, gives a little background information. Says writer, director Romero, maybe 68, but diary is targeted at the young, the young of intestines. I don't know what that fucking means. Um, like a young at heart, a generation for whom zombie movies and web video are facts of everyday life as natural as eating flesh. Um, so this is the fifth in the living dead series. And he kind of, he, he nails them like this. He says the first, the grainy black and white trapped in the house one, the shopping mall one, the military bunker one, the walled city one, and now diary of the dead, which might be called the web one. (laughs) These fucking old guys talking about the internet is wild. Um, the last dead movie had stars like Dennis Hopper, Asia Argento, John Leguizamo, Simon Baker. 
Now Romero returns to his DIY roots and there's a lot of star power off camera talking about those directors, right? So now we get into these themes, right? In Night, he used radio and television news broadcasts to envelop an isolated Pennsylvania farmhouse in an atmosphere of invisible but impending menace, the unseen specter of a larger world gone undead. Now those technologies have all been all but been supplanted by prosumer video cams, security surveillance monitors, and laptops with broadband web connections. Nobody believes the government spin spread by conventional mass media anymore. Bloodthirsty corpses have run amok in the streets, and the Homeland Security Alert System has been temporarily raised to orange. It's up to citizen journalists, bloggers, and amateur videographers to capture and disseminate the raw, unfiltered story of what's really going on to show you the horrific truth that they won't put on TV. So all of the things that he's describing, to me, this reads like, you like George Romero. Yeah. You saw what he was trying to do. And you said, oh, this is cool. This is such a good idea. And completely ignore the quality of the execution. Yeah. Where it's just like you're like giving someone credit for their declared themes as opposed to what the movie actually does when you watch it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that is very astute. Oh, thank you. Um, I was say, I for some reason, can't get the full Peter Travers review, but the, mm-hmm. the blurb on um, Rotten Tomatoes is, this one belongs with the leaders of the Scare Pack. Isn't it time that we give Romero his due? It's hardly an accident that Stephen King, Quentin Tarantino, Guillermo del Toro, Simon Pegg, and Wes Craven recognize Romero as a master. He is. Again, that is just what you're saying. It's like, yeah, yeah we like, I love George Romero movies, but mm-hmm. the execution on this one sucks. Yeah, this is not the one. Um, yeah, and it's just like, it is a thing where it's like, as we've marched on, I think that the quality of, of, the, of Dawn of the Dead is much higher than Day of the Dead, but I would say that like what, what he's trying to do it's like day of the dead isn't a huge downgrade in terms of like theme and and directing it is however you start to see the cracks of casting and directing actors right Mm -hmm. and the scale is smaller but it's like once you move to land of the dead you're getting these themes that are like a lot more on the nose like all of his sort of like socio-political satire that people so clearly identify with this series it's like this one now is even more it's like you know exactly what he's like he's not really even satirizing now now he's just like observing and it's funny i should have saved this for my closing arguments but i'll forget it it's you know in the place in which he's really truly succeeded in echoing a student filmmaker is in setting his sights on something relevant but having no point of view yeah and nothing to say about it (laughs) yeah it's it's kind of like how in our you know we were in different years but yeah for our senior films or you know at the end of the year when we screen the movies we've been working on there's always some some exercise in genre that's like this is shot like a noir film Mm -hmm. or this is shot like a french new wave film but with no take 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like it's just referential. Right. Why that's is it? it? Yeah. yeah. What why? about this makes it a good fit for noir uh, that I wanted to do noir? Yeah, exactly. And it's just this feels like I wanted to make a found footage movie mm-hmm. about this thing I'm kind of observing. And yeah. I don't know. All right, let's stop beating up on this dead man's worst movie. <laughs> Yeesh. Yeah. Um, kill count. We got the uh, paramedic gets his neck bitten by a zombie in the opening. And then the, the zombified boy gets shot to death by police officers. Bree, the newscaster, gets her face bitten by the zombie wife and then returns as a zombie herself. The zombified wife gets shot in the head by police officers. Um, state trooper is burned and then uh, run over by Mary. There's three more zombies that get run over by Mary. Then Mary shoots herself and eventually succumbs to her injuries and comes back as a zombie. Zombified doctor shot in the head by Gordo Thorson. <laughs> what a name! <laughs> Zombified nurse gets shot in the head also by Gordo Thorson. And then a zombie also shot. Gordo shoots two more zombies. Andrew shoots the zombified Mary. A zombie gets stabbed by an IV pole by Elliot. Then Gordo gets infected after being bitten by the IV pole zombie and then shot in the head by his girlfriend, Tracy. R.I.P. Gordo Thorson. You were a real one. Um, (laughs) More people killed in a car crash. Zombies hung from an unknown person off of the freeway. Three zombies blown up by Samuel. Unknown man gets his face bitten by a zombified clown in that essential video that we watch of a birthday party where the clown yeah. comes it's like jesus christ that's so stupid um three zombies get shot by tony ravello zombie gets stabbed in the head by samuel as he's stabbing himself in the head with his scythe he kind of goes through both of their heads troy dies of a heart attack off screen okay whatever uh <laughs> zombified troy gets his face melted with acid Deborah's brother gets infected by the zombie virus off screen. Is it seen as a zombie? Okay. Deborah's mom and Deborah's dad, uh, they all get shot by Andrew Maxwell, the professor. Three zombies shot by soldiers. Unknown male soldier shoots himself after getting bitten. Um, we get all of the people at Ridley's house. Uh, da, 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 da. Elliot gets bitten by zombified Ridley. Zombified Ridley gets his head sliced in half by Andrew. Jason Creed gets his throat bitten by Zombified Ridley, then shot in the head by Deborah Moynihan. Then uh, two zombies get shot by the rednecks, and then there's that zombie hanging with its head while we wonder out loud if the human race is even worth saving. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Mike, what would you say is your favorite death? Um, Well, one thing... uh, we didn't take too much time to beat up on, but uh, deserves a little bit of scorn is the effects in this movie are a big downgrade. Oh yeah. From all previous installments, even with the CG that started to creep its way into land of the dead. Yeah. Uh, this is just, uh, yeah, it's a new era of doing special effects. It's a bad era of special effects. Yes. Um, almost all of the interesting kills are, are executed with the use of, 
of digital. I don't remember a single one that I thought like looked cool. Yeah. But I'll say that uh, when Maxwell crossbows Deborah's brother in the head. Oh yeah, yeah. And sort of because he's like on her back trying pins to him bite to the her. wall. And yeah, and he goes flying off her back and gets pinned to the wall. That was that was it's a good it's a good bit. It's entertaining. Yeah. I think uh, I was entertained by Samuel's death where he scythes himself and the zombie biting him through the head. It was implausible, but yeah, in- incredibly implausible. Yes, but it was fun, yeah. but it was fun. Uh, zombie thumbs up or down. Is this movie gory, Mike? Um, I mean, I guess we have to say yes. Yeah, because I usually think of this as like if you were showing this to a young person. Yeah. Would it be offensive in terms of its level of violence? And the answer is yes, even though it all feels, as you've put it very aptly, Eric, very weightless, uh, most of the violence in this. Um, ghost thumbs up or down? Is this there, is that a yes from you, too? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I agree. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, ghost thumbs up or down? Is this movie scary? I'm going to go ahead and say no. Uh, I don't think it is. Uh, especially if we didn't give Land of the Dead a scary yeah this one is less scary than land of the dead yeah i definitely agree with that i mean yeah it's something it's just another thing and where you have to kind of ask yourself if romero's fastball is gone because there's just not really much building of tension or dread in this it's hard to take any of it seriously yeah all right then finally wed bed or behead i can take this one first i think it's pretty clear where i'm gonna fall on this um, I really came into this hopeful that I would find something that I enjoyed in it, and I did not. And I was reminded of all the things I had forgotten that I disliked about it in my first viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge disappointment. I remember distinctly feeling that around this time was when The Walking Dead, I believe, was getting started. Is that right? I'll look for you. Let me. Um, Walking Dead... Uh, started in 2010. Okay, so this is a few years before. Mm-hmm. But I remember by the time The Walking Dead came out um, and started pretty strongly, then started falling off, and then all these zombie movies, I remember thinking to myself that at some at a certain point in the 90s, I would have given anything within reason to see another george romero zombie movie mm-hmm. and to have zombies be popular in the modern sure um you know media careful and what you wish for exactly <laughs> careful what i wish for because after this um and i didn't see survival of the dead until a couple of years ago so i couldn't really weigh it and like tie it into this mm-hmm. i was like well i don't want any more romero zombie movies and i yeah. wish the zombies would go away for a while yeah so it's a behead for me yeah, I mean, I think you hit on something there, Eric, which is, I hate to say this, but I think that, um, you know, to recapture that grit, that magic, that kind of, the things that were scary and, and inspired dread and, and all that of, like, Romero's early zombie movies, you zombies are done. It's like, you might be able to come back to them in 20, 30 years, I don't know. But it's like yeah. you, you almost need something new now because it's such well-trod territory. And this isn't, you know, just his fault. 
Uh, and but there are like people can still make good zombie properties. I think the easiest thing is like yeah. Last of Us is zombie adjacent, mm-hmm. um, but I think it precedes a lot like like zombie pop culture. Yeah, and they're and they're doing a really good job with that. They um, are. It, can I briefly interrupt? Yeah, because I think it all comes down to character. Yeah, Last of Us has good characters that you care about. You're That's right. Yeah, the secret sauce. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Just have a good movie with good characters. Tell a good and tell a good story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that and that's something. Those are a number of things that this movie just fails to pull off. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've shared most of my negative feelings. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful that he just does something different in this last one, survival, and that it strikes me a little bit better, but. Yeah, I think the easiest way to put it is that this is just a misfire in terms of conception and execution, and uh, I will just choose not to think of it too much when I think of George Romero and zombie movies going forward. So it's a behead for me as well. All right. Well, there you have it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back for a third and final segment. Okay, we're back. We are going to do a little exercise that we've come up with. We're going to draft our perfect zombie survival teams. And we're going to do so using characters from all of the Romero movies we've covered so far. Yeah, uh, so, so. so not the remakes. Not the remakes. And uh, we're drafting teams of five, right, mm-hmm. Eric? That's and, correct. And the requirement that has been placed on us by us is one person from each movie one so person for you from each movie. night for, dawn yeah. day land and diary and diary sorry survival heads we're not going to be talking <laughs> about them <laughs> i wish i could remember a single name from it. <laughs> i'm gonna have enough trouble remembering a name from this movie that we just watched yeah okay um, all right we flipped a coin off off uh, air and Mike has the first pick from mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead. Oh, so we're going movie by movie. Oh, I guess we don't have to. Let's make it a free for all because okay, yeah, because sure. then you know you that way I think you still get the strongest second pick you're gonna get. That's true. Good call. Anything. Good call. Um. Okay. So and and real quick, Eric, I just because you were the con- you conceived this this idea. Are there any specific guidelines, criteria, advice that you have when you conceive of a sur- conceive of a survival team? Yeah, 
you know, what's what do you what do you see? What's your what, end goal? What I think is you need a capable person who's not mm-hmm. a psychopath. Okay. Um, somebody who I mean, I guess it's individual. Who do you think? Do you want? I, I personally would like a team that works well together. Yeah, I mean, I think team synergy certainly should be part of the yeah, yeah, and, and capableness. Uh, yeah. They have to bring something to the table. Specific skill sets. Yeah, and, skill sets. And perhaps like complementary skill sets, so not too much overlap, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's what I was thinking. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, and then my only other question would be, are people bringing anything into this group with them? Like objects? Term- objects, vehicles, equipment, or should we just think of it's like, no, you're just getting the person and then we're getting thrown into the shit. Yeah. I think we're just getting the person because yeah. Cause like finding, bringing dead reckoning would be, yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> is Riley Denbo the clear number one choice or is he off the draft board altogether? No, uh, I okay. think we get Riley, but we don't get dead reckoning. Okay. Great. <clears throat> All right. Then, um, you know, I have the first pick, so I won't dilly-dally too much. I think, you know, across fans of the franchise and listeners to the podcast, there's a pretty straightforward uh, number one pick. There's sort of a, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of – I'm going to throw a basketball player in there. Uh-oh. LeBron was, like, the predicted number one pick for years before he was drafted. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so the LeBron, but now I'm like – this is no, no being, this is problematic. Might be problematic because I'm about to draft. Because <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Uh, either way, I am who I am. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Peter from from Dawn of the Dead. Ken Foray. Yeah, he is the top pick. I number say. one with a bullet. He's so time. capable. He's incredibly capable. He's a leader. Yeah. Um, and he's a leader in a way that some of our other leads across movies are not which is his i think his the way he's able to maintain calm yeah uh he's a great he's a crack shot um i think the only knock on peter would be uh he does seem to be experiencing some fairly serious depression but uh <laughs> i think that's that's think also that's situational not, yeah it's situational and it's not unique amongst uh what amongst our options here so yeah so that's gonna be my pick peter from dawn of the dead well I never thought I'd say this, but my pick for number one is going to uh, also similarly capable. He's a survivor. He's a scrapper. Uh, Riley Denbo from what <laughs> from Land of the Dead? Are you fucking okay? Explain yourself. I mean, I, he's been surviving for so long that uh-huh. I think he has some skills he brings to the table. He can shoot. Uh, okay. He, he can scavenge. <laughs> uh-huh. He, uh, I'm just trying to think of capable, level-headed people, and sure, I, that's he fine. You know, comes to mind. Okay. Great. All right, your number one pick is Riley. So should we do this as a snake? Should you do number three sure. and then I go four? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, my next pick. He's a little bit more of a wild card. Okay. But. I don't think we should take their fates, their ultimate fates to, in account because this okay. is a new situation. Okay. Um, but I think another good team player is Roger mm. from Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Also capable, um, mm-hmm. has a lot of skills he brings. Yeah. Uh, he is, a, like I said, he's a little bit more careless. He gets himself bit. Yeah. Um, 
but I think he he will help us survive. Okay, I think that's an interesting pick uh, because I do I do think that I would have stayed away longer because I I you know we're not saying that he's going to die in the same amount of time and in the same way, but I think that there's something intrinsic mm-hmm. to his character that one way or the no- another is going to lead to maybe his early demise, maybe the death of someone else on the team. Maybe, maybe he's, he's, he's a bit of a wild card. So I think that's a bad pick Eric. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, my next pick is going to be uh, a practical one. Uh, and I think there's, there's basically two, there's two guys to pick from here. And I'm going to go with the one that I think has a better temperament and almost just by default has to be a better shot. Uh, I want a pilot for my team because uh, that seems like really the best way to get around in the zombie apocalypse is in the air. Uh. Um, so I'm going to go with John, a.k.a. Flyboy from Day of the Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because uh, the the OG Flyboy, uh, Steven, is he, just he's a he's such a bad shot. Yeah. And yeah, he's kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't hate him. I, I actually kind of like him, but he is so comically bad with a gun. Mm-hmm. And in this world where what your whole deal is, you need to be able to hit headshots consistently. Um, so if I'm if I got to pick one person to fly my helicopter, it's going to be Flyboy from Day of the Dead. So that's my that's my number. My second pick for my team. So then it's back to me again. Yeah. Um, all right. So. <laughs> what What are you laughing Uh, nothing you scuzz bucket um all right next one that i actually kind of have to think about a little bit because i had those two locked and loaded um let's see no 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 trying to remember in our larger casts of day and land i guess i should look at the diary no i'm not what (laughs) <laughs> fuck that i don't want any of those fucking shows on my team um all right i'm gonna go with i think for <laughs> oh, man okay I, i'm like debating like how out there do i want to get with my picks you uh-huh. know um I'm not ready to get totally crazy with it. So I'm going to go with a pick from land of the dead. Um, I think in terms of your argument about the capability of Riley Denbo, uh, if anyone was to come close to matching his capability in the post-apocalyptic land, I think it's Cholo Demora. Yeah. Uh, and I will say that even though Cholo does, get that rookie killed through relative carelessness it's you know he was i think he you could tell that he didn't feel great about it yeah uh there was some remorse there i feel like going forward he's probably not going to do that again it's a hard world i mean it is a hard world to live in and and honestly if you're thinking about team synergy he's clearly just such a way better hang than riley hey so yeah uh, yeah so I'm going to go with Cholo as my number three pick. I should have picked uh, 
Asia Argento just because she's a babe. Uh, one of the one of the you concepts have two has, picks coming up. One right? of the con. Well, I've already picked my my land character. Um, oh, that's right. One yeah. of my one of the jokes I was going to play was just pick the most attractive women on all. Of the, <laughs> all of the movies. It could have been fun. Um, <clears throat> okay, I guess so I'm, you have yeah. What well, you have night, day, and diary left. Yeah. I'm gonna go with night now. Okay, and I think. Most people would think that Ben is the right choice. Mm-hmm. And he is level-headed, but he's a bit of a know-it-all. He thinks yeah. he's right. And right. I don't and ultimately uh, the basement was the best place to be. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a little too proud. So I'm going to okay. go with Tom from Night. Sure. Cuz I think yeah. he's going to listen to directions. He's uh young and physically fit. Yeah, uh, I think he could be a good asset. A strong role player, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I dig it. All right, so we've got Tom from Knight. All right, and then your next pick, your fourth of five, and this will need to be from Diary or Day of the or Day. Or uh, Day. For Day, you want somebody with passion, and I think those necklaces would come in handy. Miguel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> This is t- this is difficult. Yeah, I guess maybe. Oh man, I mean, I guess McDermott. I guess because he has booze and he says Jesus, Mary, and Joseph a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty chill. I okay. don't know. Okay. I'm torn. I'm torn between him and Sarah. Sure, but I don't really know what she brings to the table either. S- scientific ability. Scientific ability. Maybe. All right. You know, I'm gonna go with Sarah. I'm gonna go with Sarah. Okay. We do need Sarah. a lady on the team. <laughs> All right. So we have Sarah Logan from Day of the Dead. All right. So it's back to me for my final two picks. So these will need to be from the OG night, and then from diary of the dead so i was yeah i'm I'm sitting here i'm thinking i'm trying to get clever with diary and part of that is trying to figure out this person's actual name um so who's the dude (laughs) who's the dude who runs the oh the like the camp or whatever yeah yeah the resistance i don't remember his name um yeah is that before or after yeah, here we go. I'm re- I'm like rereading this Wikipedia. <clears throat> there, I don't know if they mention him by name. <clears throat> uh, right. They're taken to their compound. Yeah, whose compound? Well, I feel like if I can't come up with the guy's name, I can't pick him. That's um, Alan Van Sprang, Colonel. No, Sergeant Nicotine Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name. Yeah, let's that's a really guy. good name. Uh, no, that's the guy who robs them. Oh, okay. Uh, which, not the right vibes for my team. All right, well, I'm going to come back to that. Let's look at night for a second. Um, all right, so you've already drafted your night pick, so I kind of have free reign here. I mean, Harry Cooper's too much of an asshole. Yeah, he's an asshole. Barbara's catatonic for most of the movie. You haven't. Ben is still out there. He obviously has some flaws, like those that you've discussed. But in the end, 
He does survive till the morning. Yeah. Um, he's the only one <laughs> of everyone in that house who lives through the night. Um, Helen Cooper, no. Judy, no. I mean, yeah, I think that's... Uh, I think I mean it's 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 almost too easy, but I think yeah, there's there's not a better name on the roster left from Night of the Living Dead than than Ben. Nah, so, I think it's that's yeah. Sure. And and yeah, and I'll say that you know within within the like sort of dynamics of my team, I think that Peter could get Ben in line. Um, sure, because I think that I think that I can I can imagine Ben's character at least seeding some leadership like some ownership over being the leader to peter mm-hmm. um for a variety of reasons um i think the person you're thinking of from from diary is uh martin roach who plays stranger stranger <laughs> that looks like it might be him okay yeah yeah i'm yeah that is him Okay, yeah, this guy's in some stuff. I recognize him from something else. I don't remember what. Cube Zero, perhaps? Um, I don't know that I saw Cube Zero. Maybe. Okay. I mean, it's sort of a lame pick just because it's such a small character who whose name is Stranger. <laughs> but, I mean, who the fuck else is there? Yeah. Every single one of these college kids is a piece of shit. Yes. Uh, who's not really worth anything. Um... The professor's a drunk. Yeah. Um, the only other people who come through this movie displaying any kind of capability are bad guys. Um, oh, you know what? Fuck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot here. Fuck. A little bit. What? What's wrong? You're going to take mine. I am going to go with series mainstay. Uh, all-around nice guy, armorist, Boyd Banks. Oh. Um, I'm not taking yours. Okay. But I'm going to take Boyd Banks' armorist character because he seems like he knows guns. Yeah. That's his whole deal. And and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I'm thinking about team dynamics. I already have two very headstrong leaders on my team in Ben and Peter. And then Cholo's going to want a piece of that, of this, of the stick too. You know, he's... <laughs> So I don't think I can bring in yet another leader of a of an organization. Yeah. Just we're gonna have too many alphas. So I'm gonna go with Boyd Banks's armorist from Diary of the Dead. All right, what are you chuckling about? Uh, I'm chuckling because my team's a fucking disaster, and yeah, I'm drafting. Sucks. I'm drafting Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> you go with the uh, the deaf guy, the deaf Amish guy. I mean, he does seem pretty capable. His yeah. inability to hear is a little bit of a of a, a handicap. He seems like a fun <laughs> hang, though. Does he? I think so. He's fucking yeah. The Amish famously just <laughs> like really fun people to hang out with. Well, all right. All right so let's review these teams, <laughs> and then you guys can write in and tell us who you think won this little showdown. <laughs> So Eric's team, he has drafted Riley Denbo, Sans Dead Reckoning, in his first pick for his. Well, who's team. better than Riley? I guess Cholo. 
I should if you were being Solo. forced to pick someone from Land of the Dead. Uh, then we've got uh, Roger, the careless uh, army man from Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> He's a SWAT team guy. He's a SWAT team guy who has a death wish. Um, we've got Tom, the naive farm boy from Night of the Living Dead, who blows himself and his girlfriend up trying to fuel up a truck. <laughs> Then we have Sarah Logan. She is a capable lead in Day of the Dead, and she knows some science stuff about zombies. Sure. Uh, And she does seem to have a temperament to make it through. Like, she's one of the more balanced characters across all films. Yeah. Unless he... I mean, Riley's balanced in that... I really should have done, like... no variation in emotions at all. I should have done Dennis Hopper, Miguel... Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> just all the unstable all the all the shitty people <laughs> yeah. and then finally samuel the deaf amish man from diary of the dead uh-huh. um my team peter <laughs> the iconic lead of dawn of the dead i mean you had first pick so survives to the end uh Flyboy, uh a capable helicopter pilot with a solid temperament and a decent aim uh, yeah, so you're also fucked if you ever try to fly a plane. Yeah, I guess I should have taken Fran. Probably. Um, then then I've got... deliver a baby. Yeah. My one wild card, Cholo Demora from Land of the Dead. Uh, he is a little unpredictable, but um, I do feel like he's pretty capable of taking care of himself and other people if properly motivated. We have Ben, uh, the protagonist of Night of the Living Dead. Uh, a little headstrong, but uh, has a great survival instinct. And uh, hopefully won't get shot by cops again. Uh, and then finally, Boyd Banks' armorist character from Diary of the Dead uh, seems like a fun hang, and I think he knows a lot about guns. <laughs> and I can't have any more alphas on my team, so that, well, there not, you have it. That's not a problem with my team, so don't worry. <laughs> no, it is not. It is not. All right. Well, there you have it. Next week, we'll be talking uh, survival of the dead and then our rankings and wrap-up. And I, we had to pick a new a new series. We do. Well, we have our single movie situation. Because oh, right. The, the week after will be the release of Scream Six. We have not. We've had one suggestion so far uh, that I immediately shot down, but I do appreciate <laughs> the effort. Um, so yeah, you guys have one more week to to get your picks in. Uh, and for those of you watching Survival with us. You can watch it on Crackle, Ooh. Fubo TV, Mubi, Pluto TV, Jesus Christ, these or Redbox fucking... streaming. These are all yeah, other this than is, Redbox and Crackle. This is George Romero's legacy. Uh, <laughs> Mubi, Mubi, uh, Pluto TV, Freebie. <sighs> all right. Well, I guess that's it, right? <laughs> Yeah, do you have a quote lined up? I do. Oh, that's good. All right, we'll see you all next week. And as always, don't bury dead, just shoot in head.
Hey, Kenda, can you hold on a uh, power drill for just like 20 more minutes? Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Love you.